Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be all at once. That's what's going to be the most interesting, I think. Is, in a way, we're kind of like trending towards a full, high resolution 3D, 4D experience. Like, the <laughs> to, like smell and taste thing. No. Yeah. But in the meantime, and on the way there, there's like this crossover, this. It's like, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but I think that's really interesting. And then, like, twisting that the way, like, what's it called when, like, you create a GIF, but it kind of glitches, and sometimes you get two different scenes that, like, do a pixel melting together. Yeah, that's like a data uh, mosh or something like that. Data mosh, that's the word. Yeah. That's like, uh, what... What's his name? Uh, Max Gaming is figuring out um, uh, programming A-Frame to see if you get like a video in there. And then I was telling uh, Meg, like, dude, we're gonna try stuff, you know, because I'm thinking, how do we make a portal? Like, we're gonna need, you know, visuals, but also like sound that goes with it. And then, you know, all these other like weird things that I want to do with the room. What I do with my videos, but like we're gonna experiment, and then I said we're gonna we're gonna get like sick. <laughs> we're gonna go into it and try to like experiment, and we're gonna be like, okay, that's too crazy. We can't combine like that sound and that weird thing with with that because I remember reading about Will Burroughs and Brian Gibson when they started experimenting with filming or cutting it up and just like doing random shit and then like. Uh, playing with feedback and like looping of sound and audio and weird things and that like this whole movie that they made was like too out of context that like people left the theater like throwing up and feeling like physically nauseated because they couldn't like handle like what they did. <laughs> I think in, in some sense like we're gonna try to do something crazy and then it's like really not gonna work and we're gonna like experience it but we're gonna be like oh that, that was not good like i just hope we don't give like anybody seizures like pokemon but it is how we are gonna do it i don't know yeah we have to i think i don't know man it's interesting we're not gonna be like stabbing <laughs> in the dark we'll have some feedback we'll kind of have an intuition of what's enjoyable and what's like like subliminally overwhelming yeah. And you want to be a you little like, bit subliminally Yeah. Just in like, Max, mechanics of reincarnation is, like, uncomfortable. Like, even for me, that, like, somebody likes something weird. But at the same time, that's, like, the point of it, you know? And, like, there's going to be rooms just like that, but you have to, like, how far the edge can we go without, like, having, like, a visceral, like, reaction of it? <laughs> you know, that's, like... Using VR is cool because that experience exists, could exist within a room, and that room has a door, and people can yeah. stay in that space, or they can turn around and walk out the door. Yeah. that That's what I want, uh, you know, okay, so like, the latest version of the escape room slash mystery game is that the 23 rooms that each room corresponds to, like, one of these counterculture heroes of mine so like I, I'm gonna start with William S. Burroughs and I think a lot of the counterculture like stems from him and then we follow that that lineage down 
until you get up to the people that I'm interviewing now, like Douglas Rushkoff and then Mark Pesci and then whoever else that we could get going. And so like eventually these these rooms are now getting filled up with all the the audio and and things that we produce while while having these like weird relationships with Douglas Rushkoff, Mark Pesci and uh, you know, if I could get like a few other people because I want to just like interview them. I want to like have them come back and dig down on like, like we're already making notes for the next Douglas talk because we're like, okay, that was cool. Like, but there's like other things that I think we're interesting that we can play with. I, I'm sure we're not going to get to everything with Mark Pesci as well because like I'm reading this old interview of his. So we'll now flash forward to my first experience of virtual reality, which happened in 1990 and required absolutely no technology except about 500 micrograms of LSD-25. I'd been thinking, I'd been reading, and all of a sudden I drop acid after several years. And of course, if you've taken several years break and all of a sudden thrust yourself back into that realm, you can find that things really pop up. And I found myself in a virtual world. And what I found in this virtual world, the thing that I, I must have suspected that I would find in this virtual world, wasn't an artificial Tron-like environment. It wasn't something that was entirely artificial. What I beheld in that environment was an image of the planet, as if I was cruising above it in a spaceship. And I knew that part of my own destiny as connected with virtual reality wasn't to escape into another dimension, but to find a way to make real to us the things that we can't always see. Because we exist at a level of scale, of experience, that hides them from us. He said from there, he just had this like weird sense that this is what he's meant to do. He's meant to like write this VR language and uh, like everything just like fell into place with him. And he just went out and created one of the first VR languages. So like, there was a VR space where they would repeat what, well, LSD. And he said that like, that pushed him into like a full vision, you know, like, so generally on, on psychedelics, like you get tethered to, to reality, right? Unless you're like isolated in darkness and then you get like pushed into the vision. So I guess he had that, the doors moving in the background on loop and then they were doing stuff, but then like, on the third loop of the movie, I guess it threw him into a, a vision and like, you know, like when we're talking about like vivid dreams and then you're like able to scroll, I guess he got thrown into like the movie and he got like thrown in to like the movie and like he was part of like seeing how the pixels move in like 3D space and just like understanding like how to go about being able to code that. He was always fascinated with like IndrusNet. Like he went on these like he has a pretty cool like like story about like every step of the way he got like these little nudges. He he went to like a conference and then he heard this one guy talk about learning machines and then talking about how this other guy wanted to hyperlink and hypertext uh, the whole internet as basically that the whole internet is like this one major document that like everybody is adding to so he says like these early ideas of the internet that he got exposed to and like almost every step of the way like he 
he wanted like he was messing around with networking before like the web and then all of a sudden he got an opportunity to work with like a company that was like doing it and then so he was one of the engineers that kind of helped that company helped to like see the early internet right there and like every step of the way like he said that oh then he read that article about Jared Lanier and then he's like oh okay I gotta move to San Francisco he said eight years since he took like really good acid and then he said he finally took it and finally was ready like him personally was ready to accept whatever he needed to learn and I, I guess like before he probably like personally wasn't ready like it was just like everything was a perfect storm for him to be able to be in this moment to like I guess unveil like how to build VR and he, he did it via uh, acid but that's like not that's a more common story than, than people realize. That was one of my favorite things that I learned at like, the psychedelic conferences that um, the creative potential psychedelics for like professionals. There was this early study, and I don't think it got replicated later. Or I know the the one uh, psychologist that does it. He talks about it a lot, but I don't think they're doing any new research on this. But so a professional has a, a technical. Thing to is like an equation that they haven't solved in a year, or a design for a house that they haven't, their what do you call it, clients haven't accepted, and there's all sorts of different things in between there, uh, lawyers or, or whatever. Um, and oh, the one oh, that I, oh. I think, the one that I, it was like a ninety percent like success rate, but the one that I like the best, which kind of illustrates um, the Mark Pesci one, is that there's designer, this architect that was like six, seven months. Uh, you know, designing this like mansion and the client wasn't happy and kept on telling him you know things that he couldn't understand what the client wanted he thought I thought this is what you want there's always little things that he thought he would. but anyways so he he's frustrated and he takes LSD and he does the therapy and he says that like when he was able to let go he was literally inside the house and then he like intuitively understood what the person was saying all along and not from like his perspective but from their perspective and then like he was able in like real time you know like in his vision rearrange his old design to what the client actually wanted and so then after the the thing he goes back and redoes a, a new draft and then he gives it to the client and the client said oh my god this is perfect this is exactly what i wanted and then he kind of like smiles but it's like yeah because i saw it <laughs> And like that's like the thing of like what Terrence McKenna says about like true hallucinations. Like, oh, how do how do you call it a hallucination if it's like tied to like reality and you're actually getting? It? You know what I mean? Like they could say that you know Mark Pesci was just a hallucination about the doors and then that led him a VR language. But it's like okay, but he got information that he used to actually make something in real reality. It's like the double helix. DNA, yeah. you know, yeah. discovered the DNA double helix structure was a vision that was had on LSD. You ask it a question, like, and you feel like you set an intention, or you, you say, like, here's what I'm looking for, like, this is the experience or the puzzle I'm trying to work with. It'll serve you if your intention is, like, pure and honest. Yeah. LSD does it in a really, like, I don't know, in a different rhythm than, than mushrooms, but they both... They both do it. DMT too. I've done DMT like maybe a couple times. It's vaporized. It doesn't necessarily answer my question, but it 
not the way I thought my question would be answered, but it gives me a few <laughs> It gives me a couple steps further. But it's amazing, like, it's yeah. practical to think to be, like, mission for a client, design project. That's, like, the thing is, like, when I talk, and I, and I, I remember this, like, early on, and, like, it's with a lot of things, but, like, I remembered it almost all the time dealing with this, like, weird Satori D thing, right, and minds and, like, creating this thing, and then, like, you guys that I, like, present my work to, like, understand it better than, like, say, people that I interact with in real life. You know, I'll be at work, and, and they say, oh, what are you doing? You know, you have two days off, what are you going to do? And then I'll be like, oh, I don't, I, like, sometimes I, I don't think I can, like, tell them exactly what I'm going to do. Like, oh, nothing, I'm just going to hang out. It's like, no, I'm going to, like, create these, like, weird little digital art pieces because, like, I'm, like, possessed by the logos. <laughs> like, I don't know what that, I don't know. I can't tell them exactly what I'm really doing. I've never done exactly that. I, you know, a couple times, you know, like, I'll be reading the book and then, this is always funny, like, anytime I read a book, they're like, oh, you're taking a class, and then I'm like, no, I'm, I'm reading because I like to read. So, like, if I see if they're curious, then I tell them that book, about the book. I remember when I was at that comic bar, I go into my own little rant about, like, the weird and Beowulf and, like, what it means and, like, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And then after I was done, like, doing my little rant, they look at me and they said, are you a teacher? And I'm like, no. Oh, I was like, I thought that was like part of like your lecture or something. I was like, no, I just read like academic article on it though. I just like was curious about it because like someone mentioned it on my artwork that I did. And then like I found out like it has like this way deeper meaning. And, like even I used the word weird before that point as like a mystical, magical thing because I'd be like, man, I had a weird dream last night. And the dream would have to be like a deja vu dream or a dream about Lizardland or, you know, like, when I say I have a, a weird dream, I mean like a dream that's out of my frame of reference. It's not like, I don't even know how to begin to describe some of that stuff. But uh, going back to like psychedelics, I did, actually did uh, not that much. I, I don't know how much my friend ended up giving me, but it was, it was probably like, 2.5 grams of mushrooms. Anyways, uh, it was it was kind of fun, but like on the other end of the shrooms, you know, kind of going back because my whole mind has been on the vapor test. Was it got got me to think? What I, what I've been saying is uh, I was telling Nicole this all the time, like squaring the circle. So like it helped me to like like bring it all together. I'm like okay, because I was talking to. Elliot about how what was it written language and how it changed things and then I went back to like uh, when they were like reciting Beowulf and it had, they had memory palaces and all this kind of stuff and then like we lost that and then like all of a sudden I'm thinking oh these VR rooms could be memory palaces of William S. Burroughs be memory palace of Robert Anton Wilson and then I'm thinking like this way of engaging with like information and having a game could be like so much powerful to like integrate certain concepts to people without them like, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you if you have like this weird little guy that is like telling you actual philosophies of like strange things and like actual things that happen, Mark Pessy taking 
LSD and he wrote the VR language and, you know, your little companion will help you, give you, you could ask it questions like, oh, who wrote whatever, you know, the VR language or, you know, it would be like a series of like connected things. And like that is connected to the collage. And then there's a, like a deeper game that I'm playing where I'm seeding the seeds of hiding later that I can make a clue. Like there's a hidden account that I've been like talking about and like Corey on one show said, oh, I'm gonna go look for it. And then he goes and he's like in, in um, Meme Wars trying to figure out which is my alt account. And he's like, fuck, there's too many memes that are posted in, in, in Meme Wars. He's like, I'm not gonna scroll through all that. I don't know how much he scrolled through, but he came up and then I just started laughing. And I was like, you can figure it out. Like, there's enough enough plot points to like kind of figure out who it is. And I was like, okay, that could be one clue in, in the room. I think that would be kind of like funny towards the end. Like, so Dory D has an alt account. Or, no, actually, I think I'll do it the other way. It's like, who was the first account to like remind the Vapor Test post? Or maybe leave a comment there. And like, I'm gonna bury that post because I'm not gonna like really like announce the Vapor Test channel until the 23rd. But in like the meantime, I'm building up um, these collages and building up. Um, uh, I'm gonna like store the videos there to be like easier. But it, it'll, it'll be like like a month. It's gonna be on Imagineer, but I'm gonna use that like an archive so that later it's gonna be like a cheat sheet to the to the vapor room because then you're gonna go back down and you know, see like okay, these are like collages having to do with Will and Miss Burroughs. They kind of use that as like a Rosetta Stone to unlock the room. <laughs> and so like, like after, actually it was even before, but it was, it was mainly after I took the shrooms with my friends and I was like, oh, where's your computer? And then I just started downloading like GIMP and started downloading PDFs of uh, Mondo 2000 <laughs> and then started making collages right there. Like, I took over my friend's computer. He's like, God damn it, you need a better computer. Like, I'm gonna, eventually I'm gonna buy a computer and, like, store it here. <laughs> so, so, so when I, when we, next time we get really out there, I have stuff somewhere to put it down. But yeah. Tying this to the things that we already do. Like, my friend. He's actually trying to start his own um, dab, tasty dab. He does the, the, the wax extract. And then I'm like, oh, cool. It's like, when is that supposed to happen? And then, Do you think he'll want to sponsor a podcast? <laughs> I was like, that would be perfect. That one. Because all, especially when, which, I don't know, it, like, it's going to be decriminalized. It'll probably be like pockets, like how weed was for like, a decade or even more with like mushrooms. I think that the natural psychedelics for sure are going to be more and more decriminalized and more and more lenient. I don't know if federally it will happen, but I think federally here in the States, weed is uh, two years out from being, uh, being on the ballot. Like I, I think the Democrats will be retarded not to put that on the midterm uh, federal elections because that's how you get young liberals or even young people it doesn't have to be liberal. Anybody under 36 will go and like vote for that. And I even told my, I was telling my friend this, and she's like, 
you know what? I don't vote, but that one time the weed was on there, I voted. <laughs> I was like, see? But, like, all of that stuff was, like, coming, and, like, I was trying to create, like, this Minds culture, but I was talking to my friend, like, having, like, a weed cafe, like, with, like, these ethno-organic teas instead of, like, you know, not, not that I have anything against beer or whatever, but, like, there's, like, a whole already culture of drinking in a bar. I want this weed cafe to be something different. It's not going to be like a weed bar. Like it's going to be more intentional and more events than that Kava bar. But like I saw glimpses of like, okay, these type of people that are um, in tune with these substances want to be more natural highs and lead to the more open-minded people that are more willing to like help someone a little down and out or um, be cool with all sorts of different types of people and even expressing themselves in different ways. Like there's people working on music, there's people gaming, there was people by just smoking pot by what do you call it, um, bonfire. And it's just like this all kind of little groups within the big uh, mesh network, but like it all worked harmoniously. Part of it, I think, was the marijuana projects combined with the natural teas that people were drinking. That like that, that whole time I got there, like I've been to a bunch of bars for a long time here in LA, and like they always in Harry. <laughs> and this one, I was there five. And, like, dude, I mean, it's not like everything was perfect, but like, no way. It was, None of the like regular problems that you routinely have to deal with at bars, like none of that stuff that's going on there, which I find refreshing. That's wild, man! Like I can't even imagine what the LA bar scene feels like right now. Oh, dude, it's like I don't know. Everything seems so weird, and it seems like a twilight zone. Like when I was walking back from the DMV to my house, there was businesses open, but like no one was there. And then there were businesses that were closed, and like there seemed like stuff that were closed for a long time. I don't even know. Like I, I'm sure there's like underground like parties happening and all that kind of stuff, but like, everything you can't even like eat at a restaurant. And then it was kind of funny because like versus Florida, which at, at one time both Florida and California the hottest spots in the U.S., but like Florida didn't care and like. You could go to a bar, you could like go to a restaurant, you could hang out. And it doesn't seem like it made that much of a difference to be, I don't know what I mean. Like, actually, I mean, Florida's trajectory is better than here. Yeah, so, it's mostly like a scam at this point. But it's, that's oh, the other edge of culture, you know. Art, culture, these ideas, these things that we're playing with have, like, this power to liberate, but also to this power to galvanize and, and control people. Like, there was one moment where no one knew where what that thing was happening, where it did really seem like the whole world was, like, on a tipping point. And then it all of a sudden just, like, collapsed into everybody's tribal instincts, and they went in with their tribe, and they followed that narrative until even to the death of few people who stormed the Capitol. <laughs> it, like, you know, Black Lives Matter, they followed their narrative out into the streets as well. You know, like, every side is following their narrative to 
this like religious extremist fever pitch. I mean, I have a lot of ideas about stuff, and in one respect, I you know the, the whole Black Lives Matter protest. Like I saw it happening, I was like, oh shit, like, they're gonna take over that city. And then like you see it like ripple everywhere, and then like I mean, I know LA community and culture like the best because I'm grown and raised here. So when I saw some of the first initial images of when a Starbucks, I think it was the, the first thing that got like vandalized. And I was looking at the people, I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, these are not the real like protesters. These are just fucking gangsters that want to like just do criminal shit. <laughs> like they just want to fuck up things. Like that's, that's nice. I saw them. They're the, I know these people. They're the ones that show up at a punk show and like cause problems like all the time. <laughs> those, those people, those same people that I want get away from my bars. <laughs> and the news was like, the concerned protesters peacefully protesting downtown. Yeah, and I was like, ah, oh, no. There's some thugs, they're stealing shoes and shit. Good <laughs> 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 job. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody follows their, like, memes to, and, like, everybody has perspective there's a lot of things that like for instance you know the last election almost all of the decriminalizing of, of weed or, uh, or other drugs and, and it didn't matter if it's red or blue like it passed there's other things that like about censorship of the web and like both sides the the medium of them don't know enough to like actually know what, what they're talking about but they know that they should be concerned about they just don't know enough. And the sad thing is they follow, like, like come on, Trump? He has no depth of, of intelligence whatsoever. And, like, it hurts me. It hurts me, like, intellectually to hear him talk about, like, it's bad. <laughs> and it's like, what do you about every politician? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I, who was it? There was some type of like response to to Mark Zuckerberg at one of these like uh, Senate hearings and I, I forgot who it was. It was like Chuck Schumer or one of these fucking ancient assholes that I, they asked like a basic like question about like email or something. You're just like you have no idea like what you're talking about, do you? Like what is this? Like why are we doing this? <laughs> like you don't even know enough to like ask any real questions. And then, like, Mark, he's like a fucking robot. Like, he can't even, like, get any, like, real answer out of him. Like, he's weird. I've seen a couple of interviews with him, and I'm just, every time I just feel like Uncanny Valley type of feeling with him, I'm like, is this the real person? <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's sort of a trauma-induced multiple personality disorder. This is something I've done a bit of research on. It's like when people experience trauma and they don't address it, maybe they're in a culture, a family, a cult, a group, a situation where they can't really address it and they just feel like they must stay the course and double down on this on the trauma or the deception. They develop multiple personality disorder and, and they can be fairly convincing in most situations that they're generous and open-minded and uh, 
collaborative, or you can tell through that uncanny valley intuition that something is off. Yeah. Oh my god. That is true. But, you know, that was just observations that I was doing. And now if you imagine that later on. To the extreme, you can understand how some of these people in the public eye are like faking it. Oh, yeah. Kind of panicking, but kind of holding it together. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, Doug has been talking about this for a long time. Because he, he was a, in the 90s, he started being the, a corporate um, uh, consultant. Like, everybody was scared of the internet. And he wrote a book, Media Virus, and they wanted to know how to protect themselves. And then then later he finds out, like, this is, like, part of, like, their game that they do. He, he would tell them, like, you could buy my book for, like, 15 bucks. And, like, you'll get all the information and probably more than if I would give this lecture, which costed me, like, a thousand bucks. And it's like, you know, you guys should just buy the book. <laughs> and, but, like, he was saying it was, like, part of, like, a performance for them. And so he would go in there and, like, try to get people to quit the corporate jobs. Like, he did that in the beginning. Like, later, he, he gets into the rooms with all these, like, you know, heads of CEOs. And they're just, like, panicked about Everything. <laughs> I'm losing it. You know, they, I, I think they know how fleeting it is. Like, that was, like, the main thing about, like, the those riots. It was just, like, dude, like, no one's in control, really. Like, I, I remember when they took over that police station and they, like, kind of abandoned it. And there's still an area, I think, in Seattle that they kind of abandoned a block. <laughs> you know, a GameStop, like, you know, crowdsource uh, people just getting it done, <laughs> fighting the algorithms and powers that be. <laughs> and just, even with the, the whole thing of, like, storming the Capitol, it just happened because, like, that idea was out there and enough people said, ah, fuck it, we'll do it. <laughs> but maybe this is, like, a weird collective test run for, for when shit really hits the fan. Like, are, are we gonna, like, all collectively, like, get activated to, like, be at this like level of alertness, but like a collective alertness to be able to get real shit done. Because I think it's happening very soon. Yeah, and I was thinking about this because like the this VR idea is exciting. It's fascinating. It's fun to talk about. It's something that I'm like thinking about like constantly now. But at the same time, I know, like what you said, like it's going to be a long, slow progress on this. Like we're 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 going to be able to just like mess with uh, 360 images, and then we'll get really good at at making weird collages out of these 360 images. And then, but like the next thing is like the rooms, and then like building that, and like I kind of like feel like shooting I think who's talking about going to Mars I don't know and I was just kind of like oh wasting all that money oh no I think I was talking to somebody on on the Greyhound about this but there's two ways to galvanize like people either the fear of death you know like war and like that's has been usually how we we keep the tribe together but there's another way to galvanize people through awe through like moonshot like visions like, you know, there was a lot of progress that was made 
with us going to to the moon and having this like collective like motivation to get there. And I was watching this documentary saying about like Mars could have like the same effect and capture like our our collective imaginations and like propel us to like develop new new engines and new ways to do energy so that we get there and like survive there. That like type of motivation of of something beyond us is is the other way to galvanize people and then like at the same time it's it seems which I I think is totally within our reach to do something in, in the space. But for right now it's you know, that was this term and it's connected to the vapor test is a vaporware and you know, I was looking it up Mark actually was talking about this one company that had the vaporware um, of the year of all time vaporware. But it this is the same thing that happens in the crypto space where it's all you know, smoke and mirrors, and it's it's just more of like people talking about this concept. Um, but even the de- vaporware is a a concept for software or hardware that is not actual yet. So, like you say, oh, I have a new protocol for the internet, and it's a mesh network, and it runs off of uh, MateSafe, and then you're saying, oh. Let me see the code, or let me see, can I play with the software? And you're like, oh, we don't have it yet, but we're, we're designing it. It's basically something that just has a white paper and, you know, software or hardware that just has a white paper, but no actual development on it. Um, so that that's the original term of uh, vapor where it comes from. Um, so, like, in this sense, the test and... The, these videos and these these initial things that I'm doing is vaporware. Like it's not the actual thing yet, but it's like to get the attention, to get the inspiration and motivation to get there. You know, <laughs> like can we like galvanize enough minds users to like share resources so that we can collectively make something. You know, I don't. I don't want to do this this vapor room and have it be like some type of cheesy thing. You know, <laughs> like if my idea is like I'm having the big ideas to shoot for the moon, and like if I get halfway there, I think it'd be cool already. You know, um, I was playing this maze game. My friend had the headset, and all I was thinking was, oh, "This is cool." I'm pretty sure we can make a better portal than this. I'm not even really paying attention to what this guy's saying. You're supposed to like read the clue and then you figure out how to get through the next part of the maze. And I was just thinking they could have a way better story than this. Like, there's a way to tie all this like together, like, make it all like work. And um, that was that's like the next next thing too is like at one point we didn't need. There was a software, software hardware, I believe, that um, uh, Chris Duguid was like messing around with. He's been doing a lot of three D images, and he even like there's like a there's a whole wide open field of like, uh, recording and, and making these virtual tours for like small businesses and, and all this kind of stuff. It's like a push for it right now. Anyways, he was talking about this company who does the how can you do the virtual tours and um he said that what's cool about it is that you could have 
guide in your virtual tour, like an actual person join you up in, in that like um, VR space and guides you through, like say it's, it's like a manager to a restaurant that you're showing or whatever business. And then like you, the representative of the company, you notice that someone takes the tour. So then you kind of like log in and it says that they're like little orbs right now, like, so like dots. And then like, you could talk to each other and be like, Hey, this turn this way. And you could see, you know, the view from here or, Oh, this is where the chairs are at. Oh, this is the next room. And we, this is what we do in this room, whatever it is. And so you have a real time person who's guiding you on this tour. There's, there's this idea that I want to do with um, Imaginarium because we have gone through like different stages of Imaginarium from like, 2016 to 2017 is like the the OG kind of Dale 24 hour era, and that's where I was most mostly taking the back seat to Imaginarium and just helping them try to get their their thing going. But then like Dale leaves, and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take over, and I'm gonna start doing things my way. And that's when I started like you know playing around with the video editing more. And then then now. I think we're in a, a whole different era. It's like a, the vapor test. And then like, once we pass the vapor test, it's going to be VR space. <laughs> uh, creating um, AIs. I have this vision of like, okay, imagine like an empty VR space. And like you said, like say you and I are in that space and we're both orbs, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say our orbs are... Maybe they're like little toruses, like little donut shapes <laughs> or like a sphere. Yeah. And they're radiating mostly with the vibrations of the audio from our voices. Ooh. And yeah. those vibrations are are like literally like working with one another in 3D space. Like fluid dynamics. And then on top of that, yeah. if you and I join in on like maybe a certain type of engagement... I don't even know what it would be yet, but then like a little connection grows, like a little tentacle, and then yeah. we're creating this like mycelial root structure that's also like interacting interacting with the cymatics of the sound vibration. I want to okay when I talk about uh, a koken, I don't even know if that's the right pronunciation, but that's what I get in my head and what I saw in, in my in my weird dream. So, okay, I'll tell you about the dream. I had two series of dreams that happened right before I got onto Minds. And then, like, now, they're, they're like, very um, vivid and, like, important in that time. But, like, over time, they've seemed to grow in more importance that I'm just beginning to realize. But anyways, so this dream was I get, like, a knock on the door. And it's like FedEx and I have a package and I'm like, what the heck? Why do I have a package? So I, I get the package and I open it up and it's like this like little uh, ritual kit. And I just like started to intuitively have like the sense of like, oh, I got this to perform this ritual. So then like, I got performed the ritual. It was like this little mukahete bowl and then like I do like these things. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, the smoke comes out of it. And then then, then I have, like, this weird vision of the sun. And then, like, it turns into these letters. And then it starts singing these songs. And 
all this music and poetry and visions start coming in, and then I, I wake up and I'm like, hmm, it's a weird ass dream. And then I was like, there was like letters, and I, I wonder what they mean. Anything? I type them into Google, and then I, I just had the sense that it had to do with either Aztec or Mayan, and so then I put that in there, and then I was able to find Koken, who oddly enough is a sun god who's also the god of poetry, art, and music. So he he's the sun energy that morphs into song and dance. And like to tie that into this is like our little ally character, like what if we sing them into being? <laughs> because these were like these are the Iowa Sparrows songs. Like there's also Peyote's song. They're just seeing your, your spirits intervene. Like you call them in, your allies, and to bring in the whether it's whether ayahuasca to teach us what you need to be taught, or even to the shaman we use it to get if someone's going a little too too hairy into uh, the cosmic serpent and they're freaking out. And a couple of songs to to soothe their their mind and uh, vibration. But yeah, like that would be cool. I think you get taught how to sing that character in the game. Maybe that's like the first, like, how do you navigate in hyperspace? One of the most important tools is sound and vibration. This is like something later. Or maybe this, this goes with that function of religious function where you do a repetitive humming noise. And I think we could tie it to this like weird noise that is from a microtubule. Um, anyways, like I, I heard this sound and a lot of people hear the same sound on high levels of my case it was true, but it was just like this weird humming noise. Like maybe that that noise would be until the people, the characters, basically. If you do like a good old, yeah. But yeah. Fucking, there's so much stuff. Tying that chat talk, like the chat bot, to one of the characters so that you're actually teaching the character to evolve to help you in your learning in the in the uh, vapor test puzzle and so like you know when when mines gaming says that he's been using a chat box and teaching it for three years it's like okay let's start teaching our little character <laughs> how to talk and like you know he's gonna be like a mixture of like every step of the way like you teach him you know the stuff of william s burroughs about like cut up and um language is, is a virus from outer space um, and the mind plants are most things uh, if you learn to relax and listen these like certain weird concepts like his whole dream stuff is very interesting but you know like these things and so now your character has a little bit of knowledge in the next room and he he's the one that could remember all of the so as you unlock all the stuff like your character gets the knowledge of William S. Burroughs and then so like 
now he's like you know talking like um fucking naked lunch and then you gotta be like okay now we're gonna learn about um alan watts and we're gonna learn how to meditate chill out and not take care of it all <laughs> you know there's like different lessons that you get learned and so now your your little um ally is like evolving and like learning and like being able to talk better and to uh you know say certain things I, that's so funny to hear you talk about like teaching teaching it to comprehend burrows. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you understand naked lunch. That shit's too weird. I, no, but I can be out there. Well, you, the way you understand naked lunch is you got to read the Yahe letters. And like that's why burrows is so important. He was one of the first artists, um, thinkers, to record and and analyze um, an ayahuasca trip, and he was writing letters to Allen Ginsberg. And you know, at that time, there was only like academic people going into the Amazon to do it, and only their like kind of academic um, recounts of it. But this was like one of the first times like someone was contemplating you know, what his vision means or like the mechanics of the vision. And that's when he came up with Naked Lunch. It's like based off one, the main hallucination that he had. But like once you, you read that, then you're like, oh, okay. Then he just starts like building this like weird dreamscape around that and just like fleshes that out into like this weird little puzzle that he made. Um, supposedly he, he like wrote it and then like cut it up like a bunch of different times and like scattered it around the old beat hotel in france <laughs> yeah the, the whole like naked lunch uh, story saga is interesting in in that sense of you know siberia hyperspace the dream time it's all that out of your regular frame of reference um non-local primordial soup of everything the every win. And that's what we're pulling out. Like, you know, when we're talking about like teaching our ally how to like burrows or these concepts or singing things into being, which is recreating what already naturally happens in certain states, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. And, but that was one of the funniest things about like when I was watching Black Mirror and they have an episode about like this tiny little um, implant that helps you to see the kind of like AR and they called it a, a mushroom or a shroom or whatever and I was just like I remember like you know it was a cool story but then all I was thinking like he could have just took actual mushrooms and had yeah. a, a more meaningful experience than like seeing like an Alvin chickmunk hallucination that's how I feel about VR sometimes too, right? It's like, well, we could build this like super digital playground or we could go to a playground. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I think the there's a weird magic, I think, though, of how this thing is actually supposed to be done. Like, we incept reality and we basically a plant the seed of it in hyperspace which is now being represented as the internet 
but it's all part of like the same thing because why are the at the same time Mark Pesci's writing the VR language, there's there's another person who's doing the same exact thing, you know? I mean, like almost every development throughout like all of history there is simultaneously being developed by at least two really interesting minds at the time, you know, you have Tesla and then you have what do you call it? Um Edison. And, you know, like, there's always that story of, like, once someone kind of, like, breaks through that, like, that information is wider. And, you know, and Douglas Rushkoff talks about this in Siberia is about, like, how they all thought, like, them taking the psychedelics and them doing these things and creating this art and creating this media was all, like, a way to lower the bar to get people to, to go into that, like, ethereal realm where where the ideas are at you know um that's like an interesting thing to like play with which I play with, but you know when we're talking about like when there's one section of the minds gaming one where people were talking um near miss was talking about uploading consciousness to to a machine and then I, I, half half of it i thought she was like just joking but then I think Corey and Minds Gaming took it seriously, and Corey was more of the cap. Like, I don't think you could do it. And Minds Gaming is like, well, I just think everything is data, and data is transferable. And then, so, you know, I kind of stood out of it. But, like, I just said one thing is like, consciousness is more than computation. And, you know, this thing of like, I know weird experiments and even natural stuff that's happened that I'm not the sum total of my memories. Like even in deep dreaming, like I get access to like other different versions of me that just seem at times just as real as a waking version of me (laughs) that has different sets of memories. But also I have this weird sense that I'm still me, even though like I'm related to different people and like, I don't know. It's like a weird yeah, this idea that everything can be like, everything's being understood through the lens of understanding matter and that consciousness <laughs> is like data that is, it is somehow stored or represented or manifested through matter. It's, it's that narrative is dying because it's clearly like much more of a frequency-based antenna system in which we don't store it so much we channel it. Yeah. I mean, Socrates was one of the the first ones to say, like, I remember when he was talking about mathematics and he says, you know, people think that you're teaching the the kid mathematics, but you're actually helping them retrieve it because, you know, when you say to a kid one plus one is two, they they mimic it and they remember it. Then all of a sudden they get it. And now they know how to do 10 plus 10. Now they had to do 100 plus 100. Now they know how to do 50 plus 51. Like, you don't have to scale it up like, once they get the concept, then they start retrieving this information of like how math works and how it works. And most of the developments, that's why like, you know, the whole VR thing or the, the DNA thing is like, they were retrieving that information. They didn't like create it. And like, yeah, information works differently than what we were, the narrative that we're stuck in. Um, and I think yeah. once once we kind of understand that more, I think then it'll be even 
wilder. I think then we have to worry about the singularity because <laughs> if we could somehow like turn a computer into a, a receptor for a streaming consciousness, uh, then we're gonna get some weird stuff coming in. <laughs> and then we're gonna have the DM, DMT ALF machines talking to us, and be like, "Hey, shut off this line." <laughs> You guys are hacking into something you shouldn't. <laughs> Who knows? You know, one thing I do want to do is like, there's this technology, and it's very rudimentary right now. But they like mind, they map your mind, and then they do associations with, um, you know, like standard images. And so then they do this whole process, and then so when you start dreaming, they have a, a base level of your associations, so they could kind of guess. What, what you're dreaming about and then then you kind of like say if they were correct or not and you kind of critique it so then you this is like this back and forth to like gauge the machine but essentially it's to to read someone's mind i guess and so like i was like dude i would love to share my dreams with somebody like the way i tell them it's not even close to like how they the felt experience of them and like i would instead of trying to tell someone about it just like show them, like okay, here's my dream. <laughs> Let me pull you into it. <laughs> I have this test of this. I've developed like some good strategies around lucid dreaming and played around there a lot. And I'm also, I really enjoy helping other people recall their dreams. Yeah. And there's a series of questions that I find myself asking when trying to get people to go deeper in their dreams. And one of it is like, did the dream take place inside or outside? And usually they know the answer. And then they'll say, well, was it daytime or was it nighttime? And they have an answer. And I've been doing this game with like my two and a half year old daughter. And even she can like tell me these memories, you know, she's, she can barely form sentences, but she's telling me like places and people that she saw in her dreams. It's really fun to like, you can close your eyes with somebody and through a series of questions, they can actually like conjure up details of their dreams you would never imagine. It's like it's there, you just have to like, you have to like tune in and the, the frequency is so precise. Mm -hmm. And yet we can tune our antennas to retrieve anything. That's, so there was this interesting thing that Mark was talking about and it's about hypermedia and like what they were trying to do is like connect everything and do the entrance net and stuff like that. But what dream, I think what's important for like moving forward and what I've always thought like um, movies and, and that kind of medium never really was able to express like dream logic and like this, these associations that we make and like this, these these things that are tied together because like what you were saying, you know, I have this experience of I, I could recall my dreams pretty good because I've, I've worked with them. But even when I'm busy or or like you know stressed out or whatever, or I'm focusing on other things, as I go through the day, you know, there's there's things that key in. Like I might like hear a phrase or I might hear someone talk about like pizza and I'm like oh shit there's pizza in my dream last night yeah, and then like you start like making these like lines of connection and then then you start like building that 
like memory palace again right here. Like, oh shit, oh, here it is. I mean, that's what they they used to do to build up their memory. They would go and visually construct a room, and then like that that room will help them like to to say this is this is my philosophy room or this is my poetry room. This is where I store all this. So every time they like start to envision building the room, then like that room stored with you know access to Beowulf or the Odyssey, like they could just like recite it verbatim or whatever else they had stored in their head, probably like some factoids of like money handling or whatever. <laughs> but uh yeah, 3D space is like tied to our memory in a crazy way. Yeah. What if that's what the actual like process of what we're doing right now is so that we're so detached from like our natural way that we have to invent this like game to get back to ourselves, to, to get back to like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we, we, we're going to go so far out with this VR thing that we, to teach us lessons that we should already like intuitively, that we already intuitively know, you know, you know, that's what I like that phrase. Um, consciousness is more than computation. And, and what they say in that um, essay is that uh, consciousness is more like music than it is computation. And yes, there is math and music, but there's also like, you know, jazz and play. And then there's when someone jams out with somebody and trying to feel and anticipate the other person. So it's, you have, there's uh, certain ratios and, and rhythms, but those could be expressed in so many different ways and you can't necessarily and the good ones you, you won't necessarily be able to predict and that's what makes them so great you know like some jazz or some type of novelty and, and even to that extent i think the vr right now is is novel to the extent of not only a high leverage point of like making some type of money of like doing these virtual tours which i wouldn't necessarily want to spend my time doing but I mean, there's there's like that simple thing, and there's like other things that I knew know that was like it's a growing field. But there's more than that. It's what Doug is talking about in program or reprogram. It's what Terence McKinnon says: like create your own culture. Like if we're not learning and understanding augmented reality and VR and having a weird, playful space for people to interact uh, interact with it in a different way. And you think these filter bubbles of people watching YouTube ext extreme videos is bad? What, what's going to happen when QAnon gets a hold of augmented reality and now U.S. history is all with the shades of fucking Alex Jones or whatever? <laughs> you know, like, I, the good thing is that we're, we're so, there is, and yeah, everybody refers to some like mainstream media or mainstream whatever the legacy media dude there's like joe rogan is bigger than any of the mainstream news you know what i mean <laughs> like there's there's yeah <laughs> so there's no mainstream like everybody it's culture and well there's like it's like a federation of culture but there's pockets of subgroups there's, I don't know. 
it's weird. Everything's up for grabs. Like, but it doesn't mean like these powers that be definitely Facebook is trying to make it so easy for people to use the 360, but they want them to use it on their site. Like I saw t- two or three free apps to do 360 images, but it's like tied in with Facebook and like, oh, you can only view it on Facebook. And I'm just like, what? These it's so obvious to most of us, like all these technologies pushed to their highest degree will save humanity if we insist that they are open source. Yeah. <laughs> we let ourselves like buy into the same private secretive systems. It's going to be like fucking dystopian digital nightmare. Like right now it's bad, but it's going to be like hyper speed with augmented reality. And like even people not only just like spending time on YouTube, but like in weird VR rooms and like never, it is, but there's like a weird, they created a system in which they rigged it for themselves so they could have a certainty and not have actual organic chaos progress. And then all of a sudden people are like, well, you know, knowledge is getting more and more bar lowered and with enough um, curiosity, you could figure out most things relatively easy so they figured out what what they were shorting and they said hey we want to play too but we're gonna actually you know a back end uh we we're not actually gonna pump and dump we're gonna we're just gonna pump and pump and pump until you get dumped <laughs> and like just learning that it's just like oh most of your games are figured out by now mm-hmm. by young by young people who do mm-hmm. research. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like another thing I think will be kind of interesting about like the little bot. In in one sense, it's going to like help and, and push you to like research. Like I'm always kind of wanted that. Like the digital archive is actually pretty good. In like one sense, like that's always what I wanted. Like on mines is like this resource to where if you're talking about something and like right away, if I talk about like Siberia or whatever book, I could hyperlink that book into there. And like, if you're curious enough, then you, you can click on that and, and then go to the actual source material, you know, things like that, making it the actual web of where ideas come from. You know, it's not only that person talking about it, but it's tied to that book or it's tied to that other thing and and you know that's that's essentially the whole net it was supposed to be about like connecting information together to to make it easier to research and develop i mean before the yahoos and aol assholes of the world came onto the net it was just basically used to talk about stuff and to share research (laughs) it was just all connected to different uh like university like hubs you know like that the early you know interstellar did a good job of like when they had those those little weird rooms like outside of time and there's like these weird lines those lines are there which ones the oh you've seen have you seen there's a there's a scene where 
he's like outside of time and he's seeing like his daughter like in like these different rooms but like the outside of time these hallways and but like what's connecting the hallways are like these like little beams of light and there's like these little lines that like go through like everything and he's just like uh, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i remember it's funny you said hallways because i was thinking that when you're talking earlier about how like everybody's channel uh-huh. or everybody's website is a scrolling thing and when you begin to think about that in 3d space i think it's a hallway and yeah. like each post or each image is like maybe like a picture on the wall like an art gallery yeah and then it's like there's doors like a blog entry is kind of a door you can open the door and get the full blog entry in the room like every time you open a new a window it's like going into a room see this is like one thing i i i have a better image of for mine's gaming because like say where where we go in to the initial uh like lobby of this area right and so you're there and then you look at one side you see a neon sign that says, says arcade maybe you look forward and there's a hallway you could probably go further and you look at the other side and then there's imaginarium ah, let's see what's going on in the arcade and you go you go into that room and then there's like old school looking design arcade things but like one is about blogs for mines gaming one is like another one community and then you can see on the screen like it's like highlights or reels from that the blog so whether it's like images or whether it's videos or whether it's that it's like kind of like scrolls and then you can look at them and say oh let me check out the blog so then you go to the council and then then the screen and then whoop, then now you're inside the the video game but which is the video or whatever it is and now you're you're in that area so it's like arcade it looks like an arcade and like each uh different arcade is like a blog or images or whatever sorted however he wants to sort it uh, a rudimentary idea of like you know what i was saying about um it will be i guess like imaginarium museum and then like you could take like a tour that goes through like oh let's see the beginning and like kind of like i i've seen it as like some type of timeline like evolution of imaginarium and like the images and just scrolling through that but like for anybody because even right now like that's one thing is it's not minds and just having the feed the way it is makes content kind of fleeting in a sense right so it's whatever you make is relevant within like what like three days or whatever yeah you can remind it and you know that's why i like sometimes going and getting some of the deeper cuts and like reminding those of other people but it's hard to navigate as far as like if if you're going to use that to like archive well with pro it's, it becomes um better but then you know you had that whole issue what uh what was it censorship sucks brought up in in plus was like if you have the pro turned on then it's harder to get like an audience and i noticed that i turned mines off and then i'm actually seeing more activity 
Um, yeah, it's because they didn't place the subscribe button on the pro page. I don't know how that yeah. would buy their attention, but it's just like, <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, and that was, that's going to be like something that like probably happens in our like little puzzle room. Like we forget to put a door out of the room. <laughs> We just spent all time designing the room, and then we, then we release it, and then everybody's like, "I spent all day in that room. There's no way to get out." And you, and we think, "Oh, you're right. We never did an escape room from that one." Uh, sorry. Yeah, they'll be like an amazing character who like introduces a plot, and then they just disappear. Yeah, <laughs> that? I wanted to follow him. Oh, we forgot to implement. He just disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> He just disappeared. Yeah, all you know. <laughs> hey, are we recording this? So I did. I, I I started recording it. I I forgot when. Okay. He cool. started saying something. I think when we were just talking about the vapor test, I was like, oh, I'll record this. Nice, because I want to start playing with using this as a window into infinity. Yeah. That would be cool. Could see that. Yep. Yep. And it's like slowly drifting as if like we're passing it on a spaceship or something. <laughs> oh man. I did this edit uh of the Minds Gaming uh interview and so when we we're talking about the VR space, so I got footage from you know our actual room, but then I was overlapping it with like footage of um No Man's Sky. And there's this one where you go in like hyper, like you're traveling at like light speed or something. And so it has that whole kind of like hyper, hyper drive feel to it. And that overlap with like the Satori image and like some of the other stuff. Then um, then you can start to see like the outlines of like what we could do in that space, like, you know, creating these tunnels or, you know, creating these weird things. Um, even my weird avatar the the newer one that has like the smoke around it actually came out pretty good in the 360 view like having some of that stuff i think even warping the the image might help if we the just the way we are i don't think many people are gonna initially really play with it like how i think we're gonna play with it because most people are interested in it, but they lack some imagination too. Like, I mean, right now, like all of the the energy and narrative is virtual tour, virtual tour. And yeah, that's cool. But how about we take a virtual tour of hyperspace of your soul? Or <laughs> do we need another mechanism to like? Your soul. <laughs> yeah, like. Why, why do I need to, like, have um, a weaker version of, like, window shopping? Like, I don't need that. <laughs> if I want to go and see, like, a smoke shop, I'll, like, physically go into that shop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whatever tour it is, like, <laughs> let's take a virtual tour of your soul. Actually, that would, that would, that would be kind of a good tagline for the... Uh, Building your own uh, VR uh, memory palace. Construct your own <laughs> own soul right now. 
I think it's going to be really interesting when visualization algorithms get connected with audio variables. Like, so you could start in an empty VR space and then you could start chanting or singing and uh -huh. the tone of your voice, the volume of your voice, different colors and shapes appear. And you can manifest yeah. the visuals by song or by percussion or that stuff really I think is amazing. Yeah, that's when you had to not that interested in like exploring designed hallways and rooms all that much, you know. I played W yeah. seven when I was thirteen. It's I kind of <laughs> Yeah. I wanna, like, I wanna sculpt in three D space. I wanna manifest yeah. boom boom boom, you know? Yeah. That was that was something I like came to when I was at this three D rave and I had a three day rave and I took acid shrooms and ecstasy uh, all at the same time and then I kept on I kept on repeating this thing yeah I kept on repeating this thing later that like my art is spatial my art is spatial and like everybody was like looking at me it's like you don't understand like is like when i was like dancing and and the, like the 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 wind and the wheat smoke and like we opened up a vortex and it was like but we had like it was such a weird like what you were saying about what you wanted to do with with sound in the virtual space like me and this other girl were doing that through dance like we were in our minds we were manipulating the wind and and the smoke to and not manipulated in like this way of like us playing with it but like getting in tune with it like we're we're dancing with it to like make this like vortex basically and um it was just like like a dream it was like in a dream like where you get this is intuitive sense and you download this like file and then all of a sudden i turn into like a, a pre-columbian shaman dancing around uh, a circle with this african-american chick and we're dancing and we just like have this intuitive sense that we're doing some kind of like weird ritual and then it, it like corresponds to like what we see and like even later after i was like dude okay you didn't take any shrooms that night was there like a a smoke tornado inside the the side tent and he was like yeah i'm like okay just checking just wanted to make sure that wasn't like just something i saw like tripped out but it goes back to this thing like what you're saying about sound or motion or vibration like learning to to get in tune with that and i think what you were saying that kind of goes into yeah it would be fun to play with that and fun to to explore and even the ideas like crazy but it's also an idea that once again is like based in actual organic reality and that this is like maybe some like crib way of playing so that we're actually ready for the end of time <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i don't know it just seems like we're developing like we're circling back around and that we're we're, we have to learn the lessons the hard way. Like we're gonna get really close to destroying this Earth ship, <laughs> only to to figure out we we have all the lessons that we already know. 
and that we were oh that's why I passed the vapor test now I'm ready to 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 work in a, a collective mind but not give over to a hive mind but also you know like there's there's a balance between like going with the flow but also to say no nah, maybe we should divert this this river here just to see what's happening on the side of, of the mountain <laughs> but that idea of the sound is good i mean there's already stuff like when when you see those visuals that are hooked up to when you you know you play music i mean it will have to be this is so weird there's this i gotta look it up again so there's this video it's it's called like the history of consciousness and the guy Stuart hoffman or i gotta look it up anyways in there, he gives this presentation of like the brief history of consciousness, and then he goes up to his work right now, and he's the guy with uh, Roger Penrose who who penned this essay, um, "Consciousness is More Than Computation." But anyways, through his scientific research, he comes along to this like undergrad or like some some kid who wrote this algorithm that could take like any space and any shape and then do a digital audio representation of that. He said like you could use this like thing and like scan a bag of chips and like, you know, you kind of like crumble it and through it, like, I guess reading the, the, the space and the shape and the angles of it and then interprets that into sound and vibration. And then, so then he it all leads up to him saying, do you want to hear what is the sound of consciousness? And he's saying that they get the structure of the microtubular, which they believe is the receptor of consciousness, and they gave it to this algorithm to represent what the microtubular or, or consciousness would sound like. And so when he gives that presentation and he does the sound to consciousness, supposedly, it triggers this mushroom trip, which I called my Moses moment when I was communing with the bush. And basically I, I was like inside the bush and all I was hearing was just like this extreme humming noise. And then it is like, it was so eerily similar to that thing. I was just like freaking out. I was like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. You know, it, 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 well, once again, it's like to know something like intellectually, like you could read something and know that, Tesla, Einstein said that everything's vibration and, and frequency. But there's another thing to like actually have the felt experience of it and to like have that aha Eureka moment, you know, like, oh, that's what they actually mean by that. Mm. Like now you're saying we should play with it. And I say, okay, let's try it. <laughs> Why not? Let's do it. No, but. That's actually do, is tied to what I want Corey in the near future to to build a function. Is that Beetlejuice function? So you would have to be able um, that whatever the the function is will be able has to be able to understand you know our sounds, and then from there we make it. Probably have to like consult a synesthesia expert or something. You gotta learn logic of. Or maybe we would just take a lot of mushrooms and uh, learn the logic of uh, seeing colors. Well, I, I have a, a good 
start on that. This oh, device yeah. here. Okay. Check this out. So, so we like to divide circles into 12, like um, the year has 12 roughly equal <laughs> months. The clock is divided into 12. The hexagon is like a really good representation of a circle in the sense that it's very essentialist. Six lines and you can get really close and then you divide those, you get 12, right? Yeah. So this, so like most people have been taught that yellow and red and blue are the, th are the three primary colors. Wrong. <laughs> Not true. That's like some old uh, pigment-based understanding. Now we understand that there's six primary colors. And what is a primary color? I mean, these are just like conceptual models, but there's six primary colors. The yellow and the cyan and the magenta form a, tri a trifecta, a, a triad. And that's like the ink in your printer is yellow, magenta, and cyan. And then red and green and blue form the other triad. And the pixels on your screen are going to be either blue and red and green. Mm. And it's because there's three types of receptors in our retina and like one receptor controls, you know, the, the cyan red polarity and one is the yellow blue polarity and the other one is the magenta green polarity. And then what you could do is you could imagine that, that this is like a scale or a graph of the different quantities uh, the different values of possible wavelengths of light. And we only see one of these, it actually starts like around magenta. So, so we see like that space, that's what some well, of the words. spectrum is. And then we can also understand this. And so like, you know, this goes to infinity theoretically, and you can have all yeah. violet wavelengths and but we can also, instead of thinking about this in terms of light wavelengths, we can think of it in terms of sound wavelengths. And yeah. each one of these 12 sections can represent either a tone or a semitone. And then mm -hmm. you have like the harmonic scale on here. And what's interesting is we hear the harmonic scale for more than one cycle. We only see one okay. cycle, but we hear multiple cycles. That's why we have octaves. So you could imagine that let's say C, the, the note C is yellow. Yeah. And then like you could jump from that octave to that octave, it's the same note, but they have different yeah. wavelengths. So I haven't yeah. seen anybody put this together quite like this before, but this is my model of, of both sound and light perception. Yeah. Then that's how we correlate, you know, a pitch to to that spectrum, right? And then we loop it like that. So whenever it hits whatever those notes are, right? <laughs> do, do, do. I used to think that us hearing the purity of a certain note was pretty much all about our brain chemistry and that and that in reality, it's a continuum and it doesn't really matter what a pure note is. But then I learned about cymatics where like if you take sand or water and you put it on a subwoofer mm -hmm. and you play a note, 
there becomes like this crystal clear geometry that shows up on yeah. those 12 different tones and semitones. So it's clear that these things are like baked into the fabric of reality. And also yeah. that, that what, what I've been learning lately, which is crazy, is that I'll have to like go back and, and get the precise details about this, but I think it's 432 hertz is like a particular type of alignment for this. And that's like what people consider the perfect or like the most tuned up alignment is that that is that 432. I forget which note would be 432, but most of the recorded music we have is actually shifted to 440 hertz. And it actually creates like a discontent, a, a disharmony when we hear it, but it's totally sub-perceptual in the sense that like if you played, if I played you two songs, the same song, but just shifted, you probably wouldn't consciously be able to like recognize a difference in, in it at all. But there's like this subtle disharmony and some music theorists think that's intentional and there's actually like a pretty organized conspiracy to like to play pop yeah. music that that bends towards like anger or lust or you know it's not balanced. You yeah. can hear you hear like those ancient music or like really harmonious I don't know. There's just like a difference. There's a and maybe it has a lot to do with that that alignment. Yeah. Because that's in that clip that I that I have of um, Douglas Strauss where he says that you know he's coming out of the closet that he's someone that believes in the human soul, but he talks about music and like you know when we started to digitize stuff and then you had the auto tuning and and all this kind of stuff and I guess just the way people are producing music now they like ripped out the soul you know the soul that like james brown had or this you know this the, that type of extra weird humanness you know there's a lot of great artists like bob dylan who's not perfectly pitched you know <laughs> like there's mm -hmm. like these weird organic rhythms you know that that people have and like you know when they're producing music nowadays they have like made by machines and then that's something i found you know i always knew it but like my experience of like digging for music to go on a road trip i make these playlists and i always go to um tiny dance and there's a lot of hip-hop acts that i like i love i love i love their their performance and they have you know like a house band and then they have you know their live band of someone playing something funky and then i go and i listen to whatever that song was but the studio version of it and i'm just like oh i don't like it <laughs> i was like i like yeah. i like when they were playing it you know with that funky band and they were just doing it you know organically then versus when they go into the studio and now it's yeah sometimes like you'll hear a recording that somebody did on a pretty lo-fi microphone in their basement uh -huh. in their bedroom and they were like a foot away from the microphone kind of playing with a slightly out of tune guitar and it's like perfect. It, yeah. You, and it's so easy to overproduce a really delicate, cause like vulnerability is, it's like at the core of art. 
Yeah. Like, like overproducing it. Yeah, you're ripping the soul out of it. Yeah. I mean, look at one of the, the best things to like illustrate that was like uh, Kurt Cobain's like live performance on MTV. Like that performance because it was you could just tell like how vulnerable he was being at that moment and like singing that meat puppet song and you're just like holy shit what's happening <laughs> you know and, and they basically stripped down to acoustic right and unplugged and it was just um having that that vulnerability that soul in there this 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 goes back to merging the 60s with the techno pagan people right is both simultaneously the grid and mapping and and algorithms of of life and and scaffolding we have but also to that weirdness that 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 organic flow um thing and like merging that i mean this is what alan watts and a lot of people have been carl young about merging the two like sides you know for the individual is masculine and, and and feminine but like for society it's western mind and the eastern mind the holistic mind and the rational mind and Pesci actually said something pretty interesting in that article he thought rationality is a strategy or a tool not a philosophy so you you come up with wild ideas but to test your your theories and your ideas you use the tool of rationality to see if you're going on the the, the right track but it's it's to like you know when he was saying He's like, he's always been, what he said, weird and like having these ideas that not many people got at first, but in his own weird logic of himself, he felt like, okay, I'm pretty sure this idea is good and real and then I can do it. But every step of the way, I have to like test it against logic and reality to make sure that I'm like gauging myself right and, and on the right path. Like, okay, did that work? Okay, cool. Yeah, that was good. Even on a smaller scale, when I was reading that, it was like, that's how I felt when I, I wrote that email to Mark Pesci. And then I sent him the, the fetal position video edit. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, I know, I like, I like it. I get it. I understand these video edits. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of always nervous when I go to somebody that I kind of respect their work. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to send it. I, I have a good sense of like, I'm I'm doing something cool. But at the same extent, it's like, I don't know for sure. Like I need to like, at every step of the way, like, oh, yeah, yeah. that was like, you get kind of get it. Like his response to me in, in the email, and I think this is what got him to do, to come in and talk to us, was he said, what the hell was that? I have no idea. But I think we should go. I, I think uh, we should move forward with this project. <laughs> I ever said something like that, and I just start laughing in my own head. I'm like, "Cool." I was pretty right. sure he was going to get it, but I'm glad that he did get it. <laughs> I mean, I'm still that edit again with that content. There was not at first. It was subliminal, I guess, in a sense. Um, so, you know, I wanted to start it off the show differently, but then Doug starts, like, going off on that empty space and then talking about fetal position and other things. 
And then so like I just go with that. And I remember what Mark Pesci said in that episode about Change's death. And I'm like, okay, let's start there. So when I did the video edit, I also had an attention that like like I know who the next guest is gonna be, and I'm gonna use this like video edit as a digital magic spell to catch his attention. <laughs> and so like what I do, so I was like, okay, I need a song and I sex death and rebirth. That's obvious if you're talking about fetal position and and dying and living in. And then so when when I found the song, I was like, okay, this is a cool repeat. And then, you know, when 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 I edit, I have to like listen to things like a lot, like repeat. And then so I'm I wasn't even gonna say anything. I was just gonna have like a little short clip and then I was like, yeah, I'm gonna start chanting. <laughs> and I just start like chanting. Like just like a impromptu like spontaneous thing I did because I was just like listening to the song like on repeat and I started in my own head chanting the change his dad, change his dad, change his dad. And then I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do that. And then I have no idea what initially why I did it, but I think that might have been the part where Mark Pesci says, what the hell is this? I gotta <laughs> see see what this is all about. <laughs> But it was just like a feeling that I got. I was just like, eh, I'm going to do it. Change his dad. Change his dad. <laughs> Sometimes you just... So what's what's he working on right now? He wrote a, a book called uh, Augmented Reality. And it's, it was based off... I've been using this phrase for a long time. Um, based off of this essay that I read like two years ago about last days of reality. And so his like focus is in... Is like... Um, you know, all the step of the way is like what we were talking about. Like he has seen, um, you know, he's been fascinated by digital technology, but but also seen the repercussions and the the kind of damage of its implications. You know, at every step of the way, you know, like when they were first getting into this, they had such high hopes for the internet being the global mind and all this kind of stuff. Then all, all now it's devolved into like, Facebook land, right? And so he gets like hyper focused on Facebook land, and then he saw he sees early on that they're moving all sorts of resources and and R and D into not not only the Oculus the VR but augmented reality. And he says that you know when we if we think these filter bubbles are bad now, just just wait until these people have the power of augmented reality, and we're all jacked in the whole time and so like now you know when instead of how the algorithm works where it 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 makes assumptions and predicts what what maybe they think you want to see right based on your history but then there's also the other part where they advertise to you right so they're gonna push things that they think maybe you don't necessarily want but they think you need or that they're you're susceptible to it right now because of based on some of your behavioral patterns, like it might be this. So Welcome imagine that in August. Welcome to the guided tour of your soul. Would you like a Mountain Dew? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please, please insert credits before, <laughs> before we can render your soul. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this would be like, they're gonna use this tool just like how they used everything else, you know? To fucking sell his tube socks. Like, we're gonna imagine you're, you're like, oh, okay, no, it's looking underwear. at the sexy underwear. Underwear, yeah. As uh, edible underwear. And then, 
Yeah, they're trying to make it fancy now, but yeah, but you know, you're looking at. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they had to do the ads for underwear. Yeah, but like you know, you're looking at galaxies because you probably see all this like crazy cool stuff, and then all of a sudden, like, please, you know, have you ever, you want to go extreme even more? Get out to do, and then like the whole, or there, there's going to be sections that like. That was kind of funny that Near Miss was talking about deep, deep platforming. Imagine there are sections of the country for whatever reason are get like deep platform, and then like you go into like say some trailer park place now because they got deep platform, it's like rendered to no color, like it's just like a basic beta version of, of there. They're, they're stripped of any of the cool expression stuff that they could do with augmented reality and it's just like this safe mode of interacting with them that was a bit weird but you know it's not gonna go that way bro (laughs) no not if we have yeah see that's that's like the thing i think really what what these signs if you're want to read the tea leaves of devoid of any of your personal bias and just looking at it like what is like the symbolism of this is like all these like weird things that have probably happened since like COVID till now you know whether it's the, the those uh, protests or whether it's you know the alt-right surging the capital or whatever it is like every step of the way it, it's there's enough people that just like intuitively know that this closed system is bullshit and that there's enough people that you could spark little insurgencies everywhere like at any given time and we just need a better vision and narrative and a way to communicate you don't have to fight the war the war is over you could use these technologies to like liberate yourself instead of you know selling pieces of your soul to facebook so they could sell you back your your content <laughs> because that's what they're gonna do. Like all these people are gonna make all these three sixty images on Facebook because they're gonna get likes, and then like Facebook is gonna like have this mass storage of three D images and like fucking use it to to advertise back to their people with their own content. <laughs> oh, sons of bitches! Insurgency from insurgent. Uh, mm-hmm. 1975 from the Latin insurgentum uh, to rise up mm-hmm. to rise against in meaning against in this case and serger meaning to rise or to surge yeah rebellion just just it's about it's about ascension it's about rising so yes we are all rising are we rising against something? Sort of. I don't think so. Sort of. <laughs> Maybe against against some cultural current that is keeping us from going further. I think even like saying that you're against it is even a, a trap that like keeps you there. Yeah. I mean that was like always my, my main thing when I was so frustrated. And I, I get why people left minds was like you know, during that 
led up to the election of um, Trump versus Hillary, that like anytime I critiqued Hillary, they would be like, "Oh, you're a Trump supporter," or anytime I critiqued Trump, they're like, "Oh, you're a, you're a Hillary supporter," and like they would never address like the critique that I was doing in the videos at that time, or even like the memes or whatever. But they will always just say like, "Oh, Hillary, she eats babies and she's a pedophile." Oh, you know, Trump, he yeah. was with Jeffrey Epstein, and this is just like, yeah, both okay. Both of them are buddies. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I was like, okay, that that's true, but that has nothing to do with what I'm actually saying. <laughs> They're just so, like, lost in their own little weird little narratives about things that they don't even hear what, what anybody's saying. Yeah, I mean, the banks own every politician, so oh, yeah. don't worry about the politicians. Focus on the banks. That's my that's my feeling. Like if you want if you want to take a look at the deep state and like analyze the power systems that exist, you gotta look way past the White House because the White House is a front. Oh yeah. But it's like that too. Like it's like we all know it's a con. It's all we all know it's like a charade that they're doing. And they even know it and they're just like not even enthusiastic about it. That was like kind of like I was going to say the Bank of International Settlements is sort of at the, the top of the pyramid of banking structures. Basically, they mm-hmm. assign credit and debt to other banks from the, and yeah. at the top of that pyramid scheme is what it is. And I think it's based in Switzerland, although it's not technically part of Switzerland. They have their own governance system, their own police force. They have a border wall. You cannot go into the Bank of International Settlements. Yeah. Now... If I asked you who works at the Bank of International Settlements, you couldn't name one person. I couldn't name one person. I haven't taken the time to memorize any of those people. And uh-huh. yet, we can name senators and governors and congresspeople and presidents and presidents' children and all this fucking bullshit that's all just a <laughs> No hundreds of these figures, and you, we can't name a single person at the top of the pyramid of the banking system. That's that's like a another weird thing. It's like, and that's what we're coming towards. People are calling it the Great Reset, and there's a lot of theories about how it's going to play out. I have no idea. I think, I think everything that's not open source will collapse, and Bitcoin and Ethereum will be the net that catches everything that is melting. All the yeah, things that because are wild, all the solid things will will maintain in the net of cryptocurrency. And everything else. That's yeah, and this is this is something we're starting to see that Reddit trolls are are focusing their ire on like the real target, right? <laughs> the fucking head funds and like messing around with that, seeing the house of cards that that is made out of, and also with the simultaneously of like the lowering the bar of cryptocurrency like i remember when i and mark actually wrote has this, this other podcast it's called uh cryptonomics or whatever but he's that will be he'll be another uh person be fascinating to see what he can see with cryptocurrency like who's this um uh mark mark pesci he, he wrote it yeah and i think you know where things where i see some things developing both the simultaneousness of the lowering the bar, making it easier 
for people to to engage and buy, you know, cryptocurrency. And then the technology kind of, you know, being able to scale up and, you know, the the proof of uh, stake moving from proof of work to proof of stake and, and all these kind of different things that are happening and that are coming more and more to fruition at the same time as like, if you still have some faith in our house of cards, that is the economic system. Like, like that, that like, I remember reading this article about like, and I was like, I was thinking about it. The person was my age and like the series of like events that have happened in our life. Like when we were, when I was 16, I think I was 15 or 16, 9-11 happened. And then from there, it was like the first, the 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 uh, economic recession that happened in between Trump and, and then Obama. And then it's like, that was coming out right after I was like supposed to graduate from high school. Like if you did the regular track, and I remember a lot of friends were like all scared and like, you know, we don't have any jobs. Like we graduated from college and you know, we're supposed to start a career and we're taking like gig jobs because no one's hiring. Like everybody's like, you know, laying off people. And then <laughs> uh, it's just like, what? Like all these like things that are like, just like been happening. Keep on showing us the whole like thing is of like a thin veil. This this happens at smaller scales. I remember when I was doing my crypto show, um, I was talking to Crypto Hustle and he was saying things that he looks out for. He says, you know, you always see some activity when a country's is in turmoil. And there I think at this time there's something going on in like probably like Venezuela or whatever, but there's something like critical that happened during the time we were talking about this. And you you see that the economy is about to collapse or it does collapse. And just before that, the people with money go and store their value in, say, like Bitcoin. And, and it doesn't even matter. Like, I don't even care if like, these, that like, was like the, the thing I was telling, like mine's gaming. It's like, I don't even care if like, in Mark Zuckerberg or, well, now Jeff Bezos supposedly steps down as CEO of Amazon, but I don't care if these these people are gonna are have the the tools to augmented reality or VR. Like, I guarantee they're not gonna do anything cool with it. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Like, they're not gonna do anything of value or interesting out of this thing.